This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Forever. and Jamie are two best friends and they love sex and the city and they couldn't help but wonder do you love it too? Carrie, Miranda, Samantha, Charlotte, Charlotte Cosmos, so many every single dude, all the dudes and we couldn't help but wonder with Jamie Lee and Rose Cerno. I'm Jamie Lee. And I'm Rose Cerno. And this is Couldn't Help Help But But Wonder. Wonder, A podcast where we talk sex in the city and how it relates to us. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. Did you like the British? Oh my God, so Mrs. Doubtfire. How are you? Um, I'm well. How are you? Who are you this week? Oh God. Um... Who am I? I guess I'm a bit of a Miranda because I've just sort of been um, buried in work, specifically Zoom, um, which I know Miranda, you know, she never got a chance to experience Zoom (laughs) back when the show was on. But I mean, well, she really missed out. Um, But I'm realizing how much I actually really appreciate working from home. Um especially living in Los Angeles where commuting takes up so much of your day. It can, if you're depending on where your office is. And even if your office is close to you, you're still sitting in traffic um, for what should be a very quick drive. And it ends up being like half an hour, even though you're only going two miles. So I just, yeah, I appreciate that we're home. I appreciate that um, it's better for the environment that people aren't driving as much. And yeah, I don't know. I kind of, I kind of dig it. I like how I just sort of roll out of the shower and into the office and it just starts like it just my time is managed better now. I don't know. Do you feel that way? I definitely have. I think there's huge pros to working from home. I think flexibility, the fact that you could be anywhere in the world, that's very freeing. You know, the idea that you could be like literally a digital nomad and like be in Paris and be like writing on a show. That's exciting. Um, And yeah, I think it's better for the environment. I think it makes New York, it makes LA great. Not to, I've been blessed with not having to commute for for years now. That's Um, so nice. Yeah, I think it's a mixed bag. I, I also feel like, it doesn't replace like seeing people, obviously. Yeah, that part I, sucks. Yeah, I think there's definitely good and bad about it. So I would say that. Yeah, I mean, I feel like the ideal situation would be you go in like once, once or twice a week or it's just optional. It's like come in if you can. If you can't, no worries, you're on Zoom. Like I just, yeah, I don't know. There's something very adult about just being like, yeah, like I don't, I can't come into the office today. It's just too much. I have too much going on. <laughs> just look, but I, I'll be there. I'll be technically at the office, but I just don't want to drive to the office. I just want to like be in my home in case like I have a package that needs to be delivered or like, you know what I mean? It's just like you can kind of manage your, your domestic life with your work life. Um, 
But then obviously there's the negative, which is like you work at home, like home is work. There's no separation. That part sucks. Yeah, I think there's a lot of wonderful things about working from home in terms of just like freedom and and all the things you were saying. I think if everything else was normal and like you could see friends and you could go to yes. a coffee shop and work. Great and caveat. Yeah, so if, true. If you, if you could be social in a million other ways. Yeah, then you can yes. leave your house when you're done. Yes, uh, totally. Then yeah. it would be blissful. But because those things are also stripped away, it's like not as great. <laughs> I think almost my dream scenario would be to like have a really cute little office with other people in it and we're all doing our own thing and we can come in and out as we please. Is WeWork done? Do you guys know. know? But I don't th- like it. It's too corporate. I like the little, like, I used to write at this cottage with all these other writers and I kind of like more like, oh, there's like a space, an office space and it's like really bespoke and WeWork is really corporate, you know? I think someone said that it's done. Did it? They've had a bunch of like scandals and like financial scandals. And yeah, like they had financial their... scandals, but then also did they just shut down because of the pandemic? I would have to imagine that I, I don't, I don't know, mm-hmm. um, but I can't imagine they're in a great spot. I would think that their model is pretty tough to yeah, square no one's going anywhere right now. I, yeah. Right before the pandemic, I was sort of flirting with the idea of joining like a less corporate. We work, there's one in LA that's much smaller and mm. it's all women called the Jane club. Oh, the wing is supposed to be great too. Yeah. Most the wing is supposed to wing. be amazing too. Um, but yeah, yeah the, the Jane, Jane club, club looks pretty. Jane club was cool. And I went there a couple of times to get some work done and I really liked it. And it's, it, yeah, it's not too far away from where we live. And yeah, what I just town is it in Larchmont. Mm. And it was just kind of cool. I don't know. It was like a really nice building, a lot of skylights. You could like work on the deck or like work at a community table or work in a private office. Like they had all these different little spaces you could rent out. And yeah, I was really enjoying it. So that having that as an option, I, I do miss because there was a community there. You like, you know, talk to people in the kitchen and, you know. And you leave the house and you put on clothes and go somewhere. I like that. Yeah, that part I like. But there's something about, I feel like I'm much more efficient right now. I feel like I'm I'm definitely on way too many Zooms and sometimes it makes me crazy. But um, I I do like that I can get a lot done in a day. That part feels cool. So anyways, classic Miranda over here. Who are you? Also, how was your birthday? And tell me everything, because I couldn't be with you on that day. Oh, um, you know, my birthday was fine. I went to the beach. Everything is just colored with this back thing, you know? Um, yeah. So honestly, that's all I can say. You know, it's yeah. like, I think I have a good attitude, but, you know, um, yeah, it's like I'm not depressed and it's not, I'm not obsessed with it, but. I do have to organize my life around pain all the time. Like, and that's um, challenging. So I would say I'm a Samantha in that scene where she's sick because yeah, I'm just so fucking compromised. Even before we got on this zoom, I was like, um, I'm working on a pilot and I was excited. I got some good notes and I was like, Oh, I'm going to work on that today. And that was just not going to happen. I was just in really bad pain and Mm. that just can't happen. So I took a pain pill and went to sleep and then I woke up and I was like, Oh, I'll take a walk before. I mean, I've been in bed all day and I was like, Oh, I'll take a walk before I do the podcast. And I walked a block and I was like, Oh, absolutely not. And just had to come back. So, you know, it's like, I have good spirits. I'm, I'm not feel like you have such good spirits considering. Yeah. It's just kind of crazy. Yeah. It's just so intense. It's like, you know, and there's a tiny part of me that's like, I'll burst into tears if I even entertain the idea, but I'm like, Oh my God, if I get the surgery and it doesn't work, like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, I know 
So this is yeah. a safe space. No, it's fine. It's just kind of like I'm I'm holding the surgery as like the holy grail. Yeah. That that's gonna fucking fix this. That's the only reason why I'm not like incredibly depressed because it's like that is something I can hold in my mind as being like it can get better, it will get better. But like if it if it didn't, I, I don't know what I would do, but I'm not gonna I can't really go and think about that. What um when are you planning on doing that? Or what what's the I don't know. Um my mom found like the best like orthopedic surgeon in LA. He's at Cedars and I couldn't see him until the end of August. So I'm like this until the end of August. Um mm. that's when I see him and consult with him. And then if he agrees that surgery is a good idea, which I'm sure he will then I don't know how long it will take to plan. I don't know if it's like he's booked until September or if we can do it next week. So, yeah, right. so at the very least, I talk to him at the end of September. Okay. Um, so, you know, I'll be like this for another end month. End of August, you mean? Yeah. Uh, sorry, August. So Okay, I got nervous. I was like, Yeah, okay. yeah. But I mean, who knows when I can get the surgery, you know? Yeah. And um, the pain has been pretty flared up. And so, yeah, I mean, yeah, we'll see. Hmm. Poor Rosalita. I know it's so boring. It's so no, it's not boring. It's yeah. I mean, it's so I fucking think you're- wild, Jamie. And it's hard because it's like right now the only socializing I can do is go on walks with people because the only thing that's safe is to be outside. Like if people were allowed to be in my house and sit and talk to me, then I could really socialize. But it's not safe right now. Or you so can't like- just like invite someone over. Yeah, because it's like really my only thing that's comfortable is laying in my bed and. Um, mm. Yeah, it's just a, it's just challenging, and I'm not depressed. I'm it's emotional to talk about because it's so, it's so intense. But I feel like I have a handle on it. I, I mean, I know what I have to do. I just have to be on ice and wait for the pain to go away. But um, are there yeah. days where it hurts worse than others? It's been hurting really. It's been feeling flared up since Sunday, since my birthday. Um, the day before Saturday was pretty good, and I had a nice time at the beach, and then. Sunday was hard to enjoy my birthday because I wasn't feeling comfortable. And yeah, it's been pretty flared up. Um, mm. So, yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's fine. I'm it's just, so sorry. It's okay. It's just depressing. All right. Well, you're. I'm sorry. This is like a really depressing way to no, kick into this episode. No, don't apologize. <laughs> no, that's, you know, this is what we do. We just talk about what's going on. Yeah, that's what's going on. But, you know everything will somehow work itself out and eventually this will be over. So you actually are also a Miranda because she had a back thing. Did she? Yeah. Yes. She no. Remember you, neck, neck or back? Neck, neck, neck. neck. I'm just whoever on, on the, the show is just like not making it work. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> Who's broken this week? Yeah, exactly. Jamie, kick us off onto the episode we're covering. Season four, episode 17, A Vogue Idea. Because this is a Sex in the City podcast, which I always like to say in case people are like, what is this podcast? Once in a while, we get haters on the iTunes reviews saying that whatever. But if you don't like hearing the catch up, just scroll 15 to 20 in. Then you there get you right go. In the show. Yeah, there you go. There's a solution for everything. Exactly. Is this the last episode of the season? Mm-hmm. This is the penultimate. Oh, excuse her. Um, <laughs> <laughs> The episode kicks off with Carrie heading to start work at Vogue. She's freelancing now, and she has a meeting with her editors, Enid and Julian. Oh, the names on the show are Enid is such a Vogue person. I love that name, by the way. It's a beautiful name. It's a great name. Uh, So they're they're (laughs) going to talk over my future kid. Do it. Yeah. To talk over her first piece, Enid tore it to shreds. 
It's covered in bright red ink and it's just, quote, not Vogue. Julian is more forgiving. It was his idea to hire her. So when Enid has to step out, he and Carrie commiserate over morning martinis. Carrie ends up drunk. So drunk, Julian has to walk her out to save her from embarrassing herself. But it doesn't really work. She stumbles through the Vogue hallways, knocking into Vogue riders and Vogue clothes. It's a mess. I love any. I'm such a sucker. I also used to work in the Hearst building at Cosmo and it was such a magical place. Oh yeah. I've been in that building. Anything that takes place in a magazine office is my favorite show or movie. A hundred percent. It's so glamorous. It's it just so is. Glamorous. It's so yeah. cool. I interned at Jane magazine, oh, which the folded. Best magazine. But it was the best one. I it think. was. And um, I remember the beauty editor sat on a yoga ball and I thought that was so cool (laughs) that she like didn't have a chair. She just sat on a bouncy ball. That's amazing. Anyway, side note. (laughs) So later, Richard and Samantha have drinks of their own at dinner. His birthday's coming up and Sam's dying to figure out what to get him. He says he doesn't want anything until the sexy server Alexa stops by. She's hot. They're hot. What about a birthday three-way? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ooh. Is a three-way with a 21-year-old a bad idea for Richard's birthday? What are you going to get him next year, a four-way? Look, he doesn't want to be monogamous, so either cheat with me or without me. Well, happy uh, birthday to you. Uh, it's not like he asked me to get him a hooker. These are the options? <laughs> it's someone we know, and at least this way, I'm part of the fantasy. Yeah, the fantasy being that he's attractive to someone young enough to be his daughter. He oh. is, Charlotte. That's the problem. Richard's in his fucking prime. Men get better looking as they get older, and women get three ways, apparently. Or a Marc Jacobs ultra-mod little notebook, huh? Evidently, I'm recommending it to Vogue shoppers. Just be careful, Samantha. When a man has a fantasy and you fulfill it, there's always the chance that the relationship could blow up, and then you're just the idiot who did it with them on the golf course or something. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, it's a for instance. (laughs) Sorry, I'm late. I was shopping for a stroller. I shouldn't even be here. I should be out doing all the things I'm supposed to do before the baby comes, and I'm unable to leave my apartment ever again. Like what, jujitsu and off-track betting? Like buying a crib. Evidently, I'm to go to Crib World because it's a whole world of cribs. I guess Crib City wasn't big enough. Why isn't there a store called This Is The Crib For You? And they just have one great crib and they deliver it and assemble it and help you raise your child. You don't have a crib yet? No, Charlotte, I have a job instead. I'm sorry, but... When am I supposed to find time so to mean to for this baby? I don't have a vague idea how I'm going to do any of this. Well, I don't have a vogue idea, so hello. Why don't you let a one ball help you? Yeah, I tried that. And he starts acting all father figure, and I get territorial, and the salespeople get confused, and trust me, it's too complicated for crib world. Let me help you. I mean, I know you said you didn't want a baby shower, but it's not too late to change your mind. You're right. I love that Jamie Jamie's has called that out so many times and really illuminated for me that, like, literally... Charlotte's just like asking a question as a friend, and she's like, "I have a job, not a." It's like they, God. I mean, they <laughs> really don't respect her. They don't respect her choices. Like they, they try to be like, you know, do whatever you need to do. If you need to quit the gallery, quit the gallery. Like whatever, you know, we're here for you. It's like no, they fucking judge the shit out of her. She's a baby sister of the group. Yeah. Another thing, obviously, Miranda's just being mean to everyone because she's irritable and pregnant and single and da da da. But she's also like. I know that Steve can be immature and I know that he can be annoying. We saw it a season ago or whenever. The Scoob. The Scoob episode. That was really irritating. Scoob is tough. I get it. I haven't really bounced back from that, to be honest. And neither has Miranda. But it's like the fact that she's being so hard on him and not letting him help at all. It's kind of hardcore, you know? 
I, yeah, I kind of love it. I mean, oh I'm, obs- I'm obsessed with their dynamic. <laughs> I do. Too. I, I love that. Like they're, they are so into each other and it, they're like an old married couple in the cute way. Yes, I agree. Like in the like, oh, like they're going to grow old together because they're already old together. That's true. A little bit. Um, what were so you going to ask me before I interrupted? I was going to say, how do you think you would react to a long-term partner asking for a three-way? Oh, I would like burst into tears and get a divorce. Like, no. What? <laughs> yeah, I'm really, you know, it's taken me a long time to learn about myself. Even if it was like a gentle startup conversation, you feel no. like you'd be like, hard no. no. And here's the thing. There's no shade for anyone doing whatever they want. You have to know yourself. I have had a lot of feelings of male rejection, abandonment in my family and my childhood. And I already feel, I think I, I think I grew up with a lot of feelings of not being lovable for men. And I really, because of that, I think I've done a lot of work. I think I'm doing a lot of work. I think I've healed a lot of pain, but I'm too sensitive because of the way I grew up to let my partner openly talk about other women. I want to sleep with other women. I I have too much of a rejection, like history, like familial. Mm -hmm. So that's just something that wouldn't work for me, like to honor myself and my emotions. There's other things that I will be happy to compromise on, but sharing or feeling like second best or one out of a few is too absolutely traumatic for me. So mm-hmm. there's nothing fun about that. It would really be devastating to me. Wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. What about I get you? It. I think, I think a lot of people would feel that way. That's just me. That's just my own childhood and background. I, I and you're, you're definitely not alone there. I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent there, but I definitely, um, I think that I think that for me, there's a huge discrepancy between like discussing the possibility and then actually going through with it and having it not make me feel all the things that you just said. Like, I think I'd be open to a conversation if it was like discussing fantasies, if I'm like close with someone and we're just discussing like what does it for us. I don't think that's when I would start to flip out, but I do think What about a real thing? Like a real like, hey, like, are you up for this? Not fantasies, but like a real thing. That's what I'm saying. I'm like the execution. I'm not sure how I would feel. I actually don't know how I would feel. I I, I think that it depends on the situation. I think it really depends on like, is my partner making me feel like number one, no matter what? Like, do we have a, do we have a code system? Do we have a, yeah, then I don't think I, I don't think I would be, um, I don't think it would upset me. I think I would be open to it, but I've also never done it. So I'm speaking as someone who's never done it. Yeah, but that's fair. I mean, you're just talking about what you think you might Yeah, I think it's all about the approach. I think that there is definitely a world where a three-way makes you feel like trash and it makes you feel like disposed of and like you're sitting on the sideline. But I also think there are, if if there's trust in the relationship and it's discussed in a healthy way and not a like, I really want to do this or we're not going to be able to survive. Like that is not uh, a a good situation. That sounds very toxic, but if it was kind of like, yeah, I've been kind of curious and it's like, well, I'm also kind of curious. I don't know. I think that would be healthier. Yeah. I mean, I think it could be really fun for people. I I also think I have a really, really particular relationship to sex where there is no separation of emotions of it for me. So I don't have a lighthearted view of just like hooking up, you know? Yeah. And I think a lot of people do. And a lot of people, a lot of women I know do. And I have female friends who would prefer to be in an open relationship if their male 
and female partners would too. So I, I think it yeah. just depends. What do you think, Skylar? How do you feel? Oh, Ray three ways. Um, yeah. <laughs> Ray three ways. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I think I tack more toward Jamie's uh, position on it. I also personally, it's not something I've ever done either. And I just, I'm, I have like such a logistical brain about these sorts of things <laughs> that like, it's never sounded that appealing to me. Just it is it's a like, logistical nightmare. Yeah, there's just a well, whole, how do you do it? Yeah, what's going just on? Just a whole nother person. Is that going to so, be like, fun? Do we send for them? an email? Like, or well, that element too. But I also just mean like the physical. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm sorry, it's just I went like, to admin. <laughs> I mean, it's a good. It's an element of it, but it's also like it, is is the other person going to be having fun? Well, I'm. I I don't know. Like I've never been able to totally square it. I was going to say the one three way that I thought was great in. Um, any pop culture recently was the Mrs. Fletcher three-way at the end. Oh, that was a great heaven series, heaven. which is amazing. But that otherwise, really yeah. should. Yeah. That wins an MTV award for best three-way for sure. It's so good. You know what? I think the only three-way situation I never, the only time I would feel comfortable having a three-way was if it was people that I didn't care about. If it was a partner, I would not want to do it. But yeah, if it were like pitched as like, yeah, like two people are experienced and you've never done it. And like, you don't, there's not going to be like emotional entanglements or anything. As long as my ego wasn't involved, you know, just like, oh, this sounds like fun. I'm at a party. Also, I think I would be less jealous if it was me, a male partner and another guy, then I wouldn't be jealous at all. Um, especially if he wasn't like, I really want to hook up with a guy. If he was like, I want to see you hook up with another guy. Oh, that's the best. Then, then I think I would be like, Honestly, I just think I'm pretty vanilla and I don't want to do it. Don't make me do it. Jamie, don't make me do it. I'm not going to. I'm not going to. I'll never also, make you have a three-way. I also just wanted to say, um, from the clip in particular, I thought it was so funny when Samantha claims that they know the woman that they are considering for the three-way because it, she's just their waitress. Like, they don't know her. Like, it's no, like they, they know, know her. They've met her. They don't yeah. know her. You definitely <laughs> don't know her. a very funny little, like, toss out. Right. Um, Okay, so getting us back in, before she fully dives into planning Miranda's baby shower, Charlotte decides to cover up the last of her own baby dreams. She has the room she prepped for her and Trey's baby painted. Farewell, cute nursery mural. It's back to beige. It's so sad. It's so sad. Oh my God, it's heartbreaking. It's awful. I mean, she really goes through a lot this season. Yeah. And Carrie catches up with Julian again for dinner. She's thinking of quitting this whole Vogue piece, but he won't have it. He likes her too much. They talk relationships. He's been married for over two decades. She, well, hasn't. And then Carrie drops some big info about herself. Her dad left her and her mom when she was five. Pause. We need to address this. Oh, my God. Finally, some backstory on Carrie. Finally. It's a good backstory, too. I just have to say, I mean, I this isn't my exact situation, but I definitely relate to this. And I think it makes so much sense that Carrie is a love addict and Carrie has abandonment issues and Carrie chooses unavailable men. Like the fact that her dad left. I just think that's such a great backstory. I think it's really interesting that in this show, they don't deal with anyone's family ever. But just even this nugget is like... If you're wondering, if you're watching the show and you're like, why is she cheating uh, with Big? Why is she cheating on Aiden with Big? Why is she in love with a guy like Big? Why is she with a, in a relationship every episode? That just says it all. It's just like done and done. Yeah. Totally. 
Over at her office, Miranda is on a high-stakes work call when she's interrupted. Charlotte's on the other line with an emergency. Miranda said, no storks. But did she really mean no storks? Charlotte continues with boring shower question after boring shower question until Miranda hangs up. A lot of hanging up on this show. Everyone's always hanging up. Meanwhile, Samantha meets up with Alexa to gouge her to gauge. Okay. To gouge, <laughs> to gouge her, her eyes her out. Eyes out. <laughs> really go after her. Definitely keep that in. Uh, Samantha meets up with Alexa to gauge her interest in a three-way with Richard and her. Alexa is very interested, so that's all set. And Charlotte meets up with Miranda to do a baby check of her apartment. She's already planning the shower, so it's very top of mind. Well, you need to start thinking about these things because there are a million questions to answer before the baby ever gets here. Do you have a birthing plan? Do you know what kind of a mother you want to be? Yes, I plan to be a good mother. But a marsupial mom or a stroller mom? Will you be breastfeeding or bottle feeding? And what about baby proofing? Because with all the sharp edges around here, I mean, this place is a death trap. Okay, you need to back off. I'm just trying to help. This is your idea of helping? Pointing out all the things I do badly? I'm not pointing out. Yes, you are. You need to try to let other people in a little. Because once you have that baby, it's not just you anymore. You're not going to be able to control everything. Look, I just want to enjoy the fried chicken and be done with it. Oh, um, well, I had to rethink the fried chicken because you were the only one who wanted all that breading. So instead, we're having masculine <laughs> greens and a lovely masculine <laughs> with a Fiji mum centerpiece. A Fiji mum stork centerpiece? One stork. I think you can deal with Two one storks. Stork. I saw the invitation. There's a stork on the invitation. That's not a stork. That is a duck. And that duck is smoking, and it's a boy's cigar. That's for children. <laughs> that duck is fucked. This whole shower is fucked. You can't have a shower without some baby stuff. You keep this up, you're going to have a shower Aww. without a mommy. Fine. Oh, That conversation makes me so sad. It's hard because Miranda, you know, it's really, really hard. This is a really well-written scene because I feel for both of them. On one hand... If somebody says, let me help you do this thing, and you say, listen, this is what I want, and somebody doesn't listen to you at all, that's very frustrating. Just because Miranda likes things differently doesn't mean it's wrong. If you want to make her happy, give her what she wants. On the other hand, Charlotte's taking all this time to do something so nice. Yes, and she's, like, filling her time. Yeah, and— Like, we know—like, Miranda knows as her friend— Like, oh, this is fun for Charlotte. This is something Charlotte wants to do. Well, not only is she filling her time, it's like a dream of her own. And it's like to to yell at her and snap at her is so rude. I feel bad. What do you think? What do you think about this fight? I I just think, um, I think it's very interesting that the show, Miranda's such an important character. Like, it's so fun, especially back then. I mean, now I feel like there's more conversation around like how, you know, ridiculous showers can be and you know we have just more fodder around these sort of like female centric milestones um but yeah so I just love like you know even just being like I don't want any storks like it's just such a funny just it's just nice to have that viewpoint represented kind of like tearing down the baby industry a little bit which is obviously like I love that because it's uh what I did with weddings but um yeah I feel very bad for Charlotte I feel like she's always She's like trying, she's kind of a busybody. She's like a young busybody. Um, she's kind of just like, she's like the mom that just kind of like, 
I don't know, like drops the kid off at school and then just like sits there and waits for them to return home. Like, I don't know. She's just kind of in this, I don't have a way to fill my time place. And it's, um, I think she has a lot of time to think and she's trying to stay busy to not think so much because I think she feels like her whole life is in disarray. So yeah, for me, it's very, I just feel really bad for Charlotte. It just makes me sad. Yeah. I don't think the show does a great job of honoring, like Charlotte is almost like a punching bag. I, It's true. I agree. I don't know. I don't feel like they're really like, it's kind of like Miranda's right. And like, I could see them being like, and Miranda's right. Like no storks, ooh storks. It's like, we're not really taking into account how much this friend Charlotte is hurting. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, that's why I think it's a good fight because I can understand from both perspectives. Yeah. But I do think that more I feel I'm more on Charlotte's side because even her saying like, you need to let people in, like even the idea that she didn't want a baby shower and, you know, Miranda's a very defensive person. Her walls are very up. It's not even just with men. It's like, even with her friends, it's like, it's, she's such a hard person to be close to. It's like, you know, she has such a hard time letting people be kind to her. Right. Yeah. Um, and also, you know, she can't have a baby right now. Um, and she doesn't, and at this point we don't know if she'll ever have a baby. So it's just like, there's so much, there's so much living vicariously through Miranda in this. And yeah, it's just, um, if I were Miranda and I really didn't give a shit about showers, I would definitely just let her get the storks, like do it up, do it for your friend. That's a really nice observation. Fucking rip it up. Yeah. I mean, if you really don't care, if you're, if you're the person who's like, I fucking hate storks, but your friend is going out of their mind, um, you know, in their personal life, can't have a baby, doesn't have a husband, you know, is a divorcee who wants kids, which I think is a tough spot to be in. Um, not, not that she won't find love again. I don't mean that. I mean, that immediate, you just got out of a relationship, but you actually really want a family. It's like the next person Charlotte dates, she can't just be like, yeah, let's just keep it casual. She's like, um, hi, nice to meet you. I'm Charlotte. Um, Ready for do kids? you want to yeah. get someone pregnant soon? Which actually like, I, I think happens in your thirties and forties, but yes. Yes, yeah. it does. It does. But it's just a scary place for her to be in. Yeah, so. I think I think you're right. I think the the kinder thing. It's interesting watching this fight too, though, because it's so human, and it's just like we all have fights with people, friends, lovers, professional, family, and it's always because we're thinking of ourselves and not the other person. And it's so easy to watch this and be like, Miranda, just be nicer to Charlotte, or Charlotte, listen to Miranda. But it's like we're all living these lives where we're like stuck in our little heads thinking about ourselves. Yes, and we all do it, and it's it's nice to watch a show and be like oh, this is just small-minded thinking that we all do all the time and we have to remember to think about the other person sometimes, you know? Right, and also, like, Miranda lost her mom and I'm sure that she's downplaying any milestone in her life because it's very sad that, like, she can't share it with her mom, which they don't really bring up, but they could. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I had a dream, uh, like, a month or so ago that I had a baby And I didn't know what to do with it. And I felt so unprepared and I didn't read any of the books and I didn't know any of the things. And, you know, I don't have a lot of friends with kids. I have my sister who had a kid who's basically my best friend and watching her go through it actually really overwhelmed me because I always like thought I I do want a kid, but I've always thought about it in the abstract. Like, yeah, I want a kid. Like the way I 
almost the way a teenager would think of it. And then seeing how much work it is, like seeing my sister, like read the blogs and like have to like learn about diapers and learn about breastfeeding. It's, you know, what the best way to communicate with your kid is how to raise a kid. That's going to be a good, I mean, it's just honestly so overwhelming that like, I actually really related to Miranda being like, I thought I could just have a baby. I didn't know I had to like go to crib world and like read and learn. And yes. it's a huge, it's a huge undertaking. Like, yes, it is. It's like a full-time job. Well, I mean, that's why it's a it job. Kind for of many is. Yes. Yeah, because it yes. is a job. It's actually a job, a big job. Um, okay. Well, after her yelling match with Charlotte, Miranda catches up with Carrie. Miranda reveals she dropped her niece on her head when she was a kid. So what kind of support can her baby expect? Carrie does what she can to psych her up about her shower and motherhood, and it sort of works. They also unpack whether or not Carrie's deadbeat dad made her the person she is today and figure, mm, maybe. It's so wild to me that we've this show is so iconic and everyone talks about it and it's and and no one talks about the fact that Carrie was like left by her dad like wild to me i know such a big part of that character yes um, despite and also like i don't think we ever learn but i'm like absolutely fascinated to know what her relationship with her mom is and like i know that would also tell us a lot about her yeah anyway, they leave sorry they leave a lot of opportunities to deepen characters on the table like it, which is a little frustrating yeah. And the fact, and I completely agree with that, Skylar. And I think that that's really evident in the fact that we don't know any of these people's families. Completely. But I think also then you go, oh, well, it's chosen family. And that's the whole point of the show. So maybe they left some of that that's out. Interesting. Yeah. It, it works without it. I mean, the only reason we're even really noticing is because we're analyzing. I was just said analyzing we are because we're analyzing. Analy- we're analyzing the show because we're analyzing the show. It'd be so you funny. That's the first time you said that word and you just didn't know. It's analyzing, right? <laughs> that, oh, I, I think I'm you. really analytical. My favorite movie, Analyze This. Analyze This. <laughs> Wait, Jamie. That's, that's your favorite so porn? My favorite uh, movie slash porn. Oh, the, the porn parody for Analyze This yeah. was so clean. Yeah. It was... It's weird because it's so neurotic. So it's not, it's actually not hot at all. But no one's having come. fun. Yeah. <laughs> they do come, Jamie. Oh my God, that's so funny. Um, despite her frustrations with Charlotte, Miranda goes to the shower after all. And when she shows up, she's surprised to find Charlotte finally took her instructions. She got Miranda the fried chicken she wanted and got rid of the storks. The whole thing goes pretty well, though Miranda comes dangerously close to repeating the baby dropping when she almost lets her coworker's baby fall <laughs> off the couch. It's incredible. When Miranda opens a Tiffany rattle, it freaks Charlotte out. It was the same one Trey had bought for their baby. She tears up and runs out. Miranda follows her and they have a sweet makeup. Miranda genuinely appreciates everything Charlotte did for the shower and her baby knowledge and just her friend Charlotte. Carrie and Samantha pop in to move things along. Sam's got a three-way to get to. Before the three-way officially gets going, Sam lays some strict ground rules for Alexa. No kissing Richard, even if he tries to kiss her. That ends up not being a problem as Sam quickly shoves Alexa off the bed. When she climbs back up, she makes the mistake of calling Richard daddy. And that's it. She has got to go. And Richard and Sam have some classic just the two of them birthday sex. He caps it off by finally giving her what she always wanted. Richard wants to be monogamous and it's just what Sam wanted to hear. Also, just because it wasn't clear in that description, she calls him daddy and that upsets Richard because it makes him feel old. Yes. 
So later, Carrie catches up with Julian again. After they put the finishing touches on her piece together, he wants to celebrate. They head to the Vogue accessories closet, which is every bit the dream Carrie had expected, at least at first. Do you know what these are? We're not even supposed to be in here. Manolo, Belani, Mary Jane's. I thought these were an urban shoe myth. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'll be pillaging the men's side. Not wearing pants. What are you doing? I'm just showing you these briefs. Well, don't. Julian, put your pants up. Oof, look at you and those Mary Janes. Stop. What, what happened to your wife, the dancer? She's having an affair with our friend, the chiropractor. Carrie. What? I find you adorable. You're old enough to be my father. Hardly. Would your father wear Versace's? Put your pants up now. All right. Cookie, as someone who really cares about you, let me just say, I think you have some serious issues with men. I do right now, yes. An older man can help you work through some of those father Ew. issues, Cookie. Ew. Okay, don't Ew. Don't cookie me, Freud. Pants up. Show some respect. This is Vogue. Wow. It's such a weird scene because it's actually really deeply offensive and disgusting. And because it's a sitcom, it's played for laughs. But... It's and the music doesn't sexual change. harassment. No, it's literally the same, like, <laughs> that, like, goofy, like, I don't know, comedy music plays the entire scene. It doesn't change at all when that happens. There's not even, like, a mic drop moment to, like, no sound effect or anything to be like, whoa, like, record scratch. It's just kind of like, yeah, the scene just keeps going, and he takes off his pants and he sexually harasses her and it's fine. They never deal with her father and then they start to deal with Carrie's relationship with her father and then they give her this mentor type. The whole episode, I was like, please don't be a creep. Please actually believe in her writing. Please actually believe in her writing. And then when he's a creep, I'm so disappointed. I know. I was going to say, it's also that creepy um, sort of culture that permitted like a whole style of misogyny to go on too, where it's like, because the music never drops out, because it because Carrie ends up just working with Enid rather than Julian getting fired. Like this guy must do this. This is something that must happen more regularly. And 20 years ago, that was like, could be kind of cutesy charming, I suppose. But now it's actually pretty terrifying. Yeah. There's no consequences to any of it. Yeah. Have you ever like had anything like Carrie does in this moment where they're like, she had, she sees those Manila Blahniks that are like an urban shoe myth. Like, have you ever, I, I think that's so interesting, like what gets yeah, built no. up, though, in like a little subculture. Yeah, you get to encounter it. It's amazing. Yes. I thought that was really interesting. Um, I have been in one of those magazine fashion closets and they are I mean, they're so it's so cool. Like they they really do just look like that. I remember when I was an intern at, at Jane magazine um, at the end of our run, like our of the summer, um, there were all like they basically have a bunch of clothes that they've already photographed. And I guess some of them just don't need to go back to the PR place they came from. So they just have like a pile of clothes in the closet. And we all just got to like ransack it and like take as much as we could. 
Um, cool. And it was really cool. Yeah, it felt really cool. It was also cool that they did they let the interns do that because like we didn't get paid, you know. So it was like a nice thing. I mean, they could have easily just done it themselves. Like they did did not need to reward us necessarily. And I thought that was a really nice way to say thank you. Skylar, I thought you were going to ask us if we'd ever had an experience like that with that guy. And actually, I... Oh, I am curious about that, too. But, <laughs> I, so I, I was I, like, oh, where's this? Um, but I had an experience in graduate school. Um, and I had a couple of teachers who I loved, who I'm super close to to this day, who are totally father figure, like older male writers who I love. And I'm really, really close to. But I did have a teacher who was also an older man who I could just feel had a crush on me and it kind of bummed me out because uh, it was a writing class that I really liked. And at first I, and I think he did like my writing, but like he just did these weird things for me. And like mm. one time in class, I had been talking to somebody else. I wasn't even talking to him. And I was saying how I really wished I could go to the magic castle. And then that night at midnight, I got an email from him saying he was giving me two tickets to the magic castle and like at midnight and stuff. And I just yeah. always felt skeeved out by him. And I did a good job of like making my boundaries, but it was one of those things. So I can relate to Carrie in the sense where you really think somebody's excited about you in like a really like loving, like creative way. And then you realize that's not really what it is. And that's really disappointing. I had it just last week. Um, I was warned, however, so that was kind of nice, but I basically were, I'm pitching this show and I pitched it to this one company and there's a guy who works there. He doesn't work exactly in the department that I was supposed to pitch to, but I think because he sort of brokered me and the people that do the development, he he was the one who kind of like made that meeting happen. Mm-hmm. He just stayed on the call. And then he called me the next day or no, he texted the next day and he was like, Hey, can you talk? Ew. It's about your pitch. Okay. And I was like, um, and then I like told my manager and I was like, I just feel like this can all go through the reps. Like, yeah, I don't know why, why he needs to me? talk to me. Yeah. But then also I was like, well, knowing what I know about him, I'll do one phone call, see how it goes. And I called him and he was like, um, and you know, I was in New York and he was like, uh, yeah, like, I, what do you, what are you doing this Ugh, week? Can I take no. you to lunch? And I was no. like, no, what do you like? I was basically like, no, I'm busy. What do you need? Like, yeah. I literally kind of like, yeah. I was actually like pretty rude. Good, as you should be. Yeah, I was just Why like. Why do you need what? to take him to lunch? Talk to my reps. If you want the show, And we'll then he the also show. texted another time being like, hey, I know you You said you're with family. Because I did. I was like, oh, I'm, I'm, that was not a lie. I was like, yeah, I'm seeing my family. I'm not going to be available. And then he texted me. He's like, hey, I know you're with family, but can you give me a call? It's about, um, it's a development in like, the, the, it has something to do with the the pitch. And I was like, oh my God. Okay. You have reps. And yeah, I was like, what is going on? And then my rep, so I didn't call him, but Matt did, my manager. And he, I was like, what's the news? Like, yeah. what, what happened? Right. And he goes, literally nothing. Um, they're just going to read a, a sample that you wrote. And I was like, well, sure. What? How is yeah, that? So he news? just wanted to chat with this guy's like gross. fucking creepy. Yeah, gross. We'll stay away from him. And he's him. way older. He's like 60 something. He, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the thing that's it's really disappointing when you meet someone in a professional context and you're trying to be recognized for your work and then having someone be gross. You also just can't do that anymore. I'm like, how does this first two things? How does this guy get away with this? That's the first part. The second part is he's very high up in his part of the company, he works in distribution. And I know that's not the same thing as development, but if you've worked in entertainment long enough, you would think that you know how 
it works. Like people read scripts and then if they like your script, then maybe they'll want to buy your script. Like it's pretty linear. There's not like, there's not a whole lot to wrap your head around, you know? So even just the way he was like the creepy sexual stuff aside, I'm like, this guy just like, doesn't understand how the business works. Like, no, he it's does, not, Jamie. He's just uh, it's not to... an, uh, but then he called my manager to talk about it. And I'm like, why is he calling my manager? Like because maybe you that's told him way... to, So he's trying to pretend that it's legit. That's all. Interesting. Interesting. There's nothing legit about it. He's yuck. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, you're right. See, that's and that's the so thing creepy. about this is we, this, I mean, you and I probably have 10 more stories each, you know, oh, yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. like, for sure. Lame. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So, well, actually just before we, we, we completely move on, how do you feel? And this is not a victim blaming thing. Carrie is the victim, but actually, you know, what? I, I, I don't want to judge or blame or criticize or, or anything about how people analyze how, how people deal with when these things happen. Like I was going to say, like, how do you think Carrie handled it? But I almost don't even think that's fair, but I will say that she kept it really light and jokey, but that's also like, this is a comedy. This is not a heavy drama, but that's also like, like a self-protection tactic when someone's getting kind of weird with you to kind of like make it light and try and like not piss them off. And just, I thought her acting was incredible first when she's like put your pants on like it was like half terrified half trying to keep it light yes it was fucking scary yeah totally scary it's also one of those things where like when that sort of thing at first happens because it's so jarring and sarah jessica parker plays it plays exactly this really well you kind of need to verbalize that like exactly what's happening is in fact happening and which is like such a scary part of that dynamic um, and that happens here and it's, it's wild. Yeah. Ugh, it's so disheartening. It's also, really it's scary because, you know, even though it's like a bigger room and that's kind of like, what's funny about the fashion closet is like, it's it really a closet. It's like a whole, it's like a giant room, but you're like, no, but it is a closet. Like she's literally in a closet with this man. Like yeah, no one has hours. more power and who is higher. Yeah. I mean, even if someone came in, they might not hear them like in the particular area they're in like it really is very secluded and makes it even scarier anyways it's it's also one of those things that's like so endemic to entertainment in particular because there are all these spaces in entertainment where you are where um your physical relationships with the people you're working with like can cross lines in ways that they can't in other like office settings like you have to get fittings and you have to like do makeup and have people like physically close to you yeah and people predators take take advantage of that and that's what julian is doing here exactly also to add to that i was just thinking about this today and you just reminded me there's also so much i mean julian is like a more I would say like obvious example of like, that's inappropriate. You can't do that to people, but there's so much gray area mm-hmm. in jobs. And that's to me, that's where the real creepiness lives because you can't necessarily point to things, but you're just like, it's just, it's not a good feeling. I might've brought this up on the podcast before. I'm not sure. And I actually don't know Rose, if I ever told you this, Tell me. but I was at a writing job and I, um, there was a, a guy there who I was friends with, Um, and I, he would come into my office and I had a pretty, I had a big office, but like he would come in and sit on the couch and he was working on his script while I was working on mine and he would do it a lot. And it got to asking you if you wanted him to be there. It was like, kind of like funny. It was like, it's like, come on, knock on my door. You know, it kind of had that energy. Okay. And then it just got to a point where I was like, I'm writing. Like, why are are you you in my office? And also, it's so weird that, like, if someone needs you, they're going to be like, I think he's in Jamie's office. Yeah, not good. 
it's like creepy no, and it makes good. me look weird. It was so weird. I think about it all the time where I'm like, I'm kind of mad that I never handled it. Well, now just you would have. Like, now you would have said, hey, yeah, I'm I, I was just like, okay, come on in. Like now I'm like, no, that also wasn't right. Yeah, I agree. It's subtle. Anyways. It's subtle stuff. Subtle, subtle creep. So the episode closes with Carrie catching up with Enid, the hardline editor who tore her first piece to shreds. After Julian's accessories closet come on, Enid's a safer choice. Kind of crazy that it doesn't end with any punishment from Julian. No, no consequences. He's yeah. He's like an institution at this place. God. You can feel how long he's been there. This is one okay. of those things where, you know, we talk about how the show has aged and how it stays relevant. And that's something where if it was made today, he would have been fired. Bye, Julian. Bye, Julian. Okay. Don't miss ya. So now we're on to the question of the episode. Later that night, I got to thinking about fathers or the lack of them. Some say a daughter's relationship with her father is the model for all her subsequent relationships with men. No! Is that just pop psychology, or is there it's some pop truth psychology. to it? It's pop psychology. And if you were given a less than perfect model, does it mean a life of less than perfect relationships? I couldn't help but wonder, how hmm. much does a father figure figure? Oh, my God. That's a really hard question. Fuck, I, these questions. I mean, to me, I think it's unfortunately figures a lot. And I think that you're not doomed, but I think you are starting the race with a broken leg. Mm. That's my analysis. Yeah. What do you think, Jamie? I I wouldn't disagree. I'm like, it's interesting because I'm like, I think I have daddy issues, but I'm not sure what they are. Oh, that's interesting. Like, I because I have a good, like my dad, I have a great dad. Like, I don't know. I'm like, I know I have issues and I know that they're from my parents because that's where issues come from. Right. That's but I don't yeah. know. I And I know that I have like stuff that's sort of more classically like what you talk about, Rose, where it's like, you know, uh, attachment issues and that sort of thing. I'm like, I definitely have those. But then I'm like, but my dad was around. And was like, he emotionally around? Like you could talk to him and stuff? Mm, yeah. I mean, our family is like, we're, we're like kind of an in denial family. Mm. Um, so, but also close, yeah, if that makes that, sense. No, so possible. yeah, we're not the family that's like, we're an open book. Like we walk around naked and like that kind of shit where it's like, <laughs> we're so close. I, we don't, we don't have that, but we, we are close. So I don't know. It's interesting. I'm like, my dad is like, he was, a, he is a great dad. He did a lot for me. Like he was around, he took me to school every day. He was always there. So I'm just kind of like, but I don't know. But then I feel like I have a lot of symptoms of a dad that wasn't there. So then I'm like, where are those issues coming from? I don't think everyone. Is that just within me? Yeah. I, I don't know because I have friends who have great dads who have issues with men and closeness. And I always think that's fascinating because I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Where did you get your problems? Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I bought mine at Marshall's. I definitely know where mine are from. And I've been working on them a long time. I think, I mean, personally, I think uh, stuff with parents are like a lifelong journey. Yes. Like I think that yes. I think you're born with the issues you're born with and then you heal them the rest of your life or don't heal them. Uh, choice is yours. But to um, just answer Carrie's question, I think it's just a one-to-one in terms of mm-hmm. of how that impacts you. But I definitely don't think it's a death sentence. Plenty of people with difficult relationships with fathers grow up and get married and have great husbands totally true. and w- wives or whatever. So um, I definitely true. think it's possible to heal it. I think it takes a lot of work. I'm still working. But um, 
I think that it's an undeniable thing. That being said, you could have had a weird relationship with your dad and have great relationships with men. And you could have a great relationship with your dad and have weird relationships with men. It's, it's not like there are no exceptions ever and everything is that. But I think generally, if you're heterosexual, your relationship with your opposite sex parent will affect the way you feel about yourself in romantic situations. Yeah. I mean, I've talked about this a little bit, but my dad is very hard of hearing, um, cl close to deaf, I would say. And it's been that way my whole life. And I, I think a lot of my issues stem from that. And I don't even know, oh, like, that's interesting. I don't even know them specifically, but it is really like, it's interesting when I'm like, oh yeah, my dad was like, has like a handicap. And like, I kind of grew up with that, but it wasn't, I just am so used to it. But then I'm like, no, that's, there's something there <laughs> that definitely, that's that definitely impacts you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Because it's like, also, it's like, how close can you be when you almost can't, you, you can't, can't talk as much. much. You can't chat that much because you get very uh, exasperated when you have to like repeat yourself a hundred times. So you're almost like, oh, it's better if we just don't talk. Yeah. And then you have to um, yell when you are talking. Yes. And, yes. And you kind of decide. Exhausting. Like, yeah. You know, it's maybe just easier if I just keep this thought to myself. And maybe yeah. And I think because I'm an already an only child, I'm like, I just go inside myself a lot because I'm like, oh, that's just like who I had to rely on. Like you just couldn't. And also with my dad, I think I've talked about this before, but like I would ask him something. He wouldn't hear me. My mom would hear that he didn't hear, get annoyed with him, start yelling. So it literally would set off a chain of terror where I'm just like, oh my God. So when I'm home, I almost don't ask any, I don't ask any questions. Cause I'm like, I just know that if it's oh, not wow. received, it's yeah. And I'm like, and then I noticed in school, I used to not ask questions. And I was always like, what's wrong with me? Like, I remember I, I took a class in college and um, it was like a doc analyzing documentaries, which I'm good at. But I was like dead silent in the class. I was like, I don't I don't know. I don't I don't want to weigh in. And I just remember like not participating enough. And I was like, I wonder where that comes from. It's weird because I have a lot of opinions, but I do wonder if it has like this weird ripple effect on my life where I'm like. I would just rather not. That makes I would perfect sense. Just... I mean, I also think if you're used to relying on yourself and going in instead of sharing how you feel, not, I, I don't know enough about your, how I've yes. never dated you, but I could yes, imagine no. that in a romantic relationship, there might be times where even if your partner is fully capable of hearing and being there for you, right. it might not even occur to you to share. Right. I usually think I, I think that's part of the reason I don't like rely on people more is simply because I'm like, I want everyone to think I'm fine because the few times I would like ask for things as a kid, it would like literally set off a chain of that makes a lot of just sense. a bad chain reaction. That yeah. makes a lot of sense. Anyway, so that's, that's Jay, the, analyzing Jamie's problems. Well, hour. I mean, that's part of what the thing is, but I think that the point of the show and what we're kind of talking about is basically like, I mean, this this is a very pro therapy account uh, mm -hmm. show and we're, we're both really into psychology and it's, you know, fathers and daughters and also mothers and you know, whatever. It's like at the end of the day, you're so, so, so um, malleable and impressionable and your parents, good, bad or ugly, uh, make such an impact on you. And you have the freedom when you turn 18 to go off and live your own life and be your own person. But that's inside of you. Th those voices are inside of you. Those experiences are inside of you. And yeah, it's a life's work to just unpack and decide what you thought was good and you want to keep and what you thought so, was not yeah, good and want to let like, go. Yes. Yeah. You're like, let's dispose of those traits. Exactly. <laughs> um, okay. Well, 
We are at our final segment. I'm horny for sex in the city is obviously a very horny show. So we end each episode by sharing what we are currently horny for Rose. What are you horny for? Um, I'm going to make it right after we get off this call. I'm starving. And I really hope mm. I haven't used this as a horny for before. Cause sometimes I talk about cooking. Um, but I love making homemade fried rice. No, you haven't talked about that. It's the easiest thing in the whole wide world. Is it really? I've never made it. You just make rice and then you, I have like steak and, um, some vegetables and I'm just going to saute it with uh, soy sauce and like hot sauce and garlic. And then you just put the rice in and put a ton of soy sauce on it. I have kimchi. I'm going to put a ton of kimchi in it Oof, and it's going to be fucking delicious and it's cheap and easy. So that sounds so yummy. Yes. It's How great. do you get the rice to crisp up? Do you have to put I some put it in the oil? broiler. In the broiler. Once it's all done on the saute, I just broil it for a second and make it crispy. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Okay. Love that. I love broiled rice. Yeah. Tell me, Sky. It's also recommended to make the rice like a day or two in advance to let it dry out if you're not doing the broiler method. Okay. Good. I'm going to make two that. Approaches. That sounds great. <laughs> also, just side note, someone wrote me about they tried my broccoli recipe, which I, to call it a recipe is hilarious because it's literally just putting broccoli on the grill. <laughs> but uh, I just wanted to say that I saw your message and I really appreciate it. And it's really cool when someone like listens to your cooking advice. <laughs> it feels really good and validating. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Um, Jamie, okay. what might you be horny for this week? I am horny for I wouldn't call it a scandal. But it's definitely a conflict happening on the Internet. Ooh, I love person. that stuff. Um, it's just this woman, Rachel Hollis, hmm. who, do you know who that is? Mm-hmm. She's like a New York Times bestseller. She um, writes like advice type books, um, sort of in the vein of like girl boss. And she was married and her and her husband were um, like a team of advice givers. Mm-hmm. Like they would give like seminars on marriage and how to make your marriage stronger and all this stuff. And they are getting a divorce mm-hmm. And I am horny for following this journey of these two who are very publicly in the business of help. You know, they made a lot of money off Mm -hmm. of saying, hey, you know, we know how to do marriage right. And not really. I mean, they had a very, like, honest approach, I guess. But yeah, but still, I mean, they made money off of their marriage and now their marriage is falling apart. And now they're transitioning into still working together, mm. but not being married. And they share kids together. And it's just been very interesting. I think they also had a lot of Christian followers. And so I read a lot of the comments and they're just like, you're a bad Christian. You're Aww. going to hell. Yeah, it's really sad. And um, then there are a lot of people who are like, good for you. This is empowering. I got divorced. It feels great. It's what you need to do. Da, da, da. But um, also like her and her husband. Is it amicable? I don't know. It sounds like she wanted it. He didn't. And it also sounds like um, they were having problems for a really long time, according to his statement. But then her statement was like the past month has been hard. And so people are kind of harping on like the timelines of like, have they been bad this whole time? Not bad, but have has their marriage been sort of on the outs for a long time and they were covering it up. Honestly, and that's their fucking business. It I know, mean- but it's interesting because when your business is your personal yeah. life, I find it very interesting because I mean, I wrote a book about weddings um, and I wrote a lot of stuff in my book that my family did not, they were not happy with. Yeah. And I was like, but I can't write a dishon. I'm actually, that advice came from you. I remember where we were when you, when we, when you said it, we were actually at Barnes and Noble together. And I remember you were like, no one wants to read a book that isn't honest. Wow. And I was like, that is so, so fucking brilliant. true. 
You were brilliant. No, it was a it was a big deal to me. I was like, you're so right. I would never want to read a book that's not honest. Well, it's like brave of all. you to write something that, you know, I mean, I definitely can relate and understand about being scared to put stuff out that maybe your family won't like. So I get that. It's really hard. But anyway, so I just thought it was interesting. I'm just like kind of following this woman's journey. I just sort of learned about her and I bought one of her books in the airport. Ooh. And um, Well, she sounds really interesting. I'll definitely check it out. I love, yes. I love interesting drama and twists and turns. Yes, it's a twist and turns and it's just something to follow. And you can read articles. There are a lot of think pieces Ooh, about good. it. I a love. lot of people who feel scammed by their marriage. And yeah, it's just very interesting. Um, Okay. Well, that is the end of our episode and I love you, Rosalita. I love you, Jamie Lee. Thanks guys. Thanks for listening. Love you, Sky. Thanks for listening to Couldn't Help a Wonder. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at chbwpod and follow my co-host Rose Cerno on Insta and Twitter at Rose Cerno. And please follow my co-host Jamie at Really Jamie Lee on Instagram and at The Jamie Lee on Twitter. And please rate, review, subscribe to our show on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. If you're nasty, it helps us. It helps you. It helps everyone. You're nasty. Bye. Bye. Forever. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcast.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook.